0: Welcome
1: back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on once again with Cheezo. On a week where we saw more overs than what most coaches paid for Tom Rockliffe in the 2017 Supercoach season. I'm here with JB. How you going, champion? <laughs> That's
0: a terrible opening line. <laughs> but it is great to be back. I'm so keen to start podcasting again. The footy season can't come any faster.
1: Mate, I've been trying to describe this to um, Mrs. chezo that... The footy season is 11 months of the year and you just have that one month at the end after grand final day where it's just like, you know, dry season, you don't think about footy and then you just get straight back into it.
0: It's a depressing month, I'll be honest. Like, many a times I was sitting there just staring at the wall like, what, what is life? And then, <laughs> and then I hear a trade go down and I'm like, yes, football, AFL, everything. It just all pops off.
1: I, I think it's uh, one of the, like the last day of trade period... Like, I don't think any work was done across you, me, or Pistol. Like, he had his thesis to do for, for uni. I don't think he did anything. We are all just sitting there back and forth. This is going to happen. That's going to happen. We've got the inside win on this person. And it just went absolutely nuts. So, it, it's one of those things that the deadline just appeared out of nowhere. And it's like I'd only just started the day.
0: I'm glad we all got our priorities straight very quickly as well. Work and university got set aside ASAP. And it was all just about the trade period and where players were going to end It was... It's actually surprising every player got to their destination, probably bar Aaron Francis is the only player that really requested a trade and didn't get to his spot.
1: Yeah, he was never going to get traded. Dodo had too much on his plate. I think uh, (laughs) uh, they wouldn't have let him go for a song anyway. So um, it was an interesting trade period. We've got a whole stack to get through. It's going to be interesting to see what um, supercoach implications we have from some of the trades. Um, The big thing that I want to talk about with you because it involves our – to uh, out, both our teams is which team had the better trade period between Essendon and Port Adelaide. And I know we're probably going to be backing our own teams, but I think the evidence is clear that the Dons had the better trade period.
0: Yeah, I think if you're an Essendon fan, you'd, you'd definitely be along those those lines. But if you think about what Port actually gave up and it was a whole bunch of SANFL players and what they actually Got in their club. Um, I think they addressed their major concerns, which was finishing inside fifty, um, by getting Watts and Motlop specifically. Um, Don Don's did really well. There's no doubting that. But Port Port gave up nothing and got a good return.
1: Look, I, I I've, I'll start my three-part argument by just saying that <laughs> we're talking about the better trade period not the recycled guys that have been delisted from their club and we just pick up for you know one-year deals we're talking about having to trade for your players now I, I think in that instance Essendon definitely had a better period compared to what they brought in and and for the players that we brought in to only give up a singular first round pick in 2017 and a second round pick and still have both our first and second in 2018, which is the inverted commas super draft. I think surely Essendon have done better.
0: Look, like I said, there's no doubting they've done incredibly well. But um, if you look at the assets, Port gave up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going back to this. You, you call it the trade period, but um, wouldn't winning the trade period be um, trading nothing bad out and trading in good players? Like, although they came to us through free agency, we didn't have to give anything for them. Technically, we didn't. I mean, like, if you look at it tactically, Essendon, um, they handled their trade period perfectly. Um, they were just very clever with everything they did. They got it all done. They kept everyone happy. Um, but Port Adelaide, like I said, we, we gave up zero players that were in our starting 22 in the last round, bar Jabba Um, So I think, I think they just did incredibly well.
1: Okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I, I think probably the three main guys that you picked up uh, would be probably Tommy Rockliffe, uh, Stephen Motlop and Jack Watts. You'd agree with that? Yeah, no doubt. I, I don't think the Cannon or uh, Jack Trengrove, uh, you know, list in the top three. Uh, I mean, if to- we
0: get Lindsay Thomas, it's a different story. He'd have to be up there. But yeah, those three for now.
1: He and uh, Stephen Motlop are interchangeable as you know, <laughs> having potential but just deciding not to play for four weeks at a time. Um, compared to Essendon's Devin Smith, Adam Saad and Jake Stringer, all under 25, all um, rated in the top 35% for their position or in the case of Adam Saad, in the top 10% as a rebounding defender.
0: Yeah, I guess when you're lower on the ladder, you do need a bit more of a boost. But like I said, Port address their needs um, we didn't have to go out and get Dangerfield and Ablett and Fife and get the best players in the competition because our midfields are already good. Not that we wouldn't take those players. Um, but like I said, we we noticed what we needed to fix. Um, we had heavy competition from teams like Geelong for Jack Watts, um, Adelaide for Stephen Motlop, and Carlton for Tom Rockliffe, and we, we got our men on each count. So if you want to talk about recruiting and who the better recruiting team was, um, I think we had to sway our players a lot more, whereas your players just chose your... Um, your club for reasons of their own and I mean, reasons people may not understand (laughs) Jesus.
1: And look, I did say it was a three part argument that I was going to put forth here and I've left my kicker till last that, you know, we're we're very biased about our own team. So we're always going to find the positives in our own deals compared to uh, the other person's, for example, but, the AFL and Fox Sports have both done their own independent surveys and published their results online. I'd just like to, just like to read some of the results out from you from the uh, thousands of voters between the two. Essendon were voted 36 percent, the number one uh, team who had the best trade period, compared to Port Adelaide, who came in second at only 20.5 percent. JB, how do you feel about that stacked up against your argument, mate?
0: Yeah, I don't know many people that vote on Fox Sports um, <laughs> polls, but they don't sound like they'd be the cleverest people in the world. So um, I'll discuss it with people that, you know, actually know their football. And I've had some good word from uh, quite a few people. So I'll leave those Fox Sports voters to themselves. Look, do gonna... you know
1: how many devices I had to log on to so I could keep voting for SNN? It was ridiculous.
0: Well, I mean, it does help when you have 30 emails already and then just to make another 30 is not too bad, is it? That's probably 20% of your vote. We would have won if it wasn't for you.
1: <laughs> I just used all the Dr. Supercoach Keeper League emails. <laughs> just, kept, just kept logging in. not isn't
0: Oh, jeez.
1: All right, mate. We might as well jump into a few teams just to see what kind of Supercoach implications that they might have. Are there any holes that we could be looking for? Uh, we'll jump into the Adelaide Crows. Obviously, uh, uh, those that have arrived are Bryce Gibbs and Sam Gibson. Um, we've been saying for a, a couple of years now that Adelaide have been lacking in the midfield department, and that's where they really need to be. Uh, you know, They need that extra guy to kind of help out Sloan. And yes, the Crouch brothers have come on a little bit, but Bryce Gibbs coming across is just absolutely fantastic for their engine room.
0: Yeah, to get another A grader like Bryce Gibbs, they've already got, like you said, Sloan and Matt Crouch. Brad, Brad Crouch is probably on that very cusp of being like a B, B plus type player. Um, He's on the get... cusp
1: of being a B player.
0: B plus, B plus. <laughs> hey he co- he come he comes on and out. Uh, don't don't rate Brad Crouch too highly mate. He's not an A grader. i put A graders up there like Dangerfield and Sloan and Matt Crouch. Players that okay, are gonna win you Brownlow. Fair enough. All right, let me let me back over that quickly. Brad Crouch is a fantastic player, but he's um if he's lining up next to Fife, I know I'm putting but, my money but on. But right now he's
1: a C plus, is what you're telling me. He's not quite. No, he, he's on the cusp of a B, but he's almost of a,
0: a B plus <laughs> type player. <laughs> well, your your B pluses, you're looking at your Brad Crouches. Yeah. yeah anyway, no, I totally understand. Anyway, um, to add another A grade player in there, like Bryce Gibbs, because we all know he's an A grader. He's had probably the two best seasons of his career in the last two seasons. Um, It'll do wonders for them. And I wonder if this will go a long way towards freeing up Rory Sloan because you can't let Bryce Gibbs get off the chain and and gather 30 possessions and kick five in a game.
1: Well, that's absolutely right. The only thing that I'm concerned about is what implications this might have for Matt Crouch. He's obviously come out this year he averaged 111 um, and over across his last 5 he was averaging 127 he was putting up big numbers and um I know Pistol bangs on about it all the time because he's got it in every team he owns including the Doctor Cooper uh, Supercoach uh, keeper league <laughs> that he you know he was he, he dropped below 30 touches only once or twice in in 2017 what kind of implications does Bryce Gibbs coming in on to Matt Crouch or even Brad Crouch for that matter.
0: Yeah, and we know if Matt Crouch ever goes missing, um, who's got him and would be rocking up straight to (laughs) Pistol's house. Um, Yeah, he's got a big man crush there. But I don't think Bryce Gibbs really impacts on Matt Crouch because... Um, they play very different games. Matt Crouch is obviously the accumulator, the one that handles it to the outside players, and those players will be your Sloans and your Gibbs and your um, your players as such. Brad Crouch, um, much like his brother, is that accumulator player, but he seemed to do well with, with Matt and the team, obviously. Um, so I don't think it really impacts on him. I think Bryce would impact more on your... You're Charlie Camerons, and I mean, obviously, he's not there anymore. But um, so Terry Miller, if he comes in, or uh, just players of that ilk that are that are just running through the midfield at breakneck speeds, um, I think he'll more impact on those players in, in supercoach terms. I mean, it's not really relevant. We see Sydney, who have uh, so many A-grade midfielders, all average 100 um, just a year ago. So I think Crows can be like that, that sort of midfield.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to take a little bit of time to to gel, but I think they will find the the right balance. Um do we see the departure of Charlie Cameron making any impact in the forward line? I know they do have a few people um, a few players on the borderline we're looking at like a a Jordan Gallucci, he's more of a, a mid forward that might be uh, getting some time um, is there anyone that we kind of see filling that void i'm not really sure if um i can see an immediate option to take over what charlie cameron's been doing as that pressure forward
0: yeah no there's um there's quite a few players that would that would consider themselves as as one of the better options or one of the next options to go in but that's that's their I mean, it, it's not a problem. It's it's probably a good thing to have some competition for a spot, but there'll be quite a few players fighting for that spot and a few, a few cuss players um, from last year uh, that, that could put their hands up and hopefully, I mean, we'll see someone put their hand up in the preseason. Hopefully, it's a Galucci-type um, player that can just fight their way into the team. Um, Cameron played very different roles this season, though. He came off half-back a bit, came off a wing a bit, um, also worked as that pressure forward, so... I'm not sure exactly what sort of player they'd be looking for because it's hard to replace a Charlie Cameron type of player.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's not that many people with that kind of explosiveness and speed uh, floating around. So it will be interesting to see what they uh, they go for. Um, Brisbane Lions, for example, mate, they've uh, had a few um, ins and outs, Charlie Cameron being one of them. Um, Tommy Rockley for the big out there, mate. Do you think that makes any impact to the uh, the likelihood of some young Brisbane Lions rolling through that midfield in uh, the, the likes of uh, maybe a Hugh McCluggage this year?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually sure. I, I mean, Hughes, McCluggage is a bit of a weird one. He's one that I haven't followed closely. Um, you've probably answered this better than I would. I'm not actually sure how promising his supercoach um, potential is. I know for a fact it will it will definitely help Dane Beams out, I think. Um, and I'm not quite sure about Zorko. They don't tag Rockcliffe as it is, but if they ever were going to tag Zorko, it's probably one step closer again. And we, we know how he dealt with that towards the end of last season.
1: I think we also saw Tom Rockcliffe play a few roles this year, didn't we? Particularly towards the back end of the year, it was the bane of our existence where they, for some reason after 150,000 <laughs> games of his career, they would oh, we're just going to send him and be a tagger. So I, I think... It's not going to have as big an impact as a lot of people are uh, uh, predicting. Obviously, if you take out um, Tom Rockliffe from any team, it's going to leave a hole. But I do think that the likes of Zorko and Beams won't be effect- affected too negatively. The benefit of that is we might see a lot of those young guys coming through. Um, you know, As I said, Hugh is one that we all think is going to be a fantastic midfielder in three or four years' time. Um he's just a little... He's still lightly built, so um, he's not going to be able to spend a whole heap amount of time running through the guts, but I think his time will obviously increase. Um... What do you think uh, that uh, Luke Hodge is going to bring to that back line there, JB? Obviously, from a super coach perspective, he might be um, not someone we're, we're going to look at anymore, but he might be giving a little bit more purpose and structure to those that are running around the back line, to Brisbane Lions, and just help develop their, um, their um, kind of to, to keep their pressure. They always seem to just kind of collapse once they get that repeated entry against uh, their defensive line. Maybe Luke Hodge coming and being out of command, that back line might give the likes of uh, you know withered and these kind of guys that are super coach friendly, just that little bit more chance to rack up a few points.
0: Yeah, and just lastly on their midfield, someone like Mitch Robinson will just walk into his role, I think, and, and fit in quite perfectly when they get him back from injury. So they miss him a lot last season. So that feels like a real good like-for-like like replacement. And he, he played really well in their midfield when he was in there. Um regarding their back line, yeah, he just brings a lot of experience, doesn't he? So um, I think you'll see them concede lower scores. They they started putting a bit of scoreboard pressure on this year. Um, started getting into their offense really well. But with Hodge coming in, I think he just offers that experience. Players like Sam Mays and, as you mentioned earlier, the rookie um, from last... Uh, I've lost his name now, Cheezo.
1: Oh, Alex Witherden.
0: Yes, that's the one. Sorry. You <laughs> just said his name and I just forgot it straight away. Um, those types of players, I think they'll have a slight increase in their super coach output. But I don't think it'll make any of them relevant outside of a keeper league.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Um, the it's not really uh, overly super coach relevant, but I think the the one that um, the the out that I also find interesting is, is Josh Shackey, because it probably um, Eric the Eel, Eric Hipwood gets to um, you know really become that main focal point now you know um played like between five and ten games this year so um it's taking away a little bit of that um focal point that we we see eric kipwood and we we've seen the the dashes that he can do so probably more in a keeper league perspective if you're looking to pick up that you know buddy franken from uh type player from uh, in in a couple years time um he's someone that might be reaping the benefits from you know brisbane putting all their sights on him being their number one man
0: yeah, and the commentators love that comparison, the Buddy Franklin comparison, but you're dead right. He has those qualities, that agility for a big man is just um unseen uh, among maybe five players in our competition. Um Buddy being the most famous for it and yeah, he's only a few years out from from maybe being a mainstay in our Supercoach squad. So, I think this will only help his um help his natural progression.
1: Yeah, sure. And the last one, we'll just touch on Charlie Cameron. We've talked about him a little bit. Uh, going to the Brisbane Lions, he's surely not going to be getting as many entries as he was at uh, the Adelaide Crows, number one forward line in the competition. So um, I think, if anything, his supercoach potential for 2018 is only going to decline from what it is already. So I don't really see him being an option um, going forward, JB.
0: Yeah, that poor average will get worse. so I don't think he's an option at all.
1: Cool. We'll jump into the Blues here. They've had a, a, a reasonably good uh, trade period as well. They lost Bryce Gibbs, but their you know their picks have changed significantly. They got two picks inside the top ten now, which is great. They have picked up a couple young guys. They've picked up Matt Kennedy from GWS, Darcy Lang, Aaron Mullett as a delisted free agent, and they also picked up Matthew Lobe, I guess, as some uh, coverage for Cruiser in case he's don- goes down. Um, Matt Kennedy there, JB. We're both pretty excited about what he can do at Carlton. We did like that he, uh, what he brought when he was a, a pick 13 for GWS a few years ago as an academy guy. He really, really could be something um, special in 2018 if he lives up to his potential.
0: Yeah, and he should be high on most people's JLT watch lists. Um, if he can put together a couple of tons in the JLT, then um, someone to really, really look towards. I don't think I could see myself starting him in my squad. Um I mean he'd have to blow the roof off of the place to, to really get into into the starting um, squad but he's one of those players where if he comes out in the first couple of games and hits us with an 80 followed by a ton and he's just going to hit those price range rises he'll probably start around the 300k mark um, he could be someone to watch, uh, someone of interest and I know you're a lot hotter on him than I am so um, do you have anything anything more positive do you have a little bit more faith that he'll be in our squads this year?
1: Look, I don't think that he's going to be, um, you know, that crash have hot of an option given his price. He he finishes the season at three hundred and twenty k, average sixty five from sixteen games. The thing is, the potential we always talk about the potential that these inside mids have. Um, another one that sucked us in a few years ago was Jesse Lonergan We thought he was going to get, um, you know, he's a high first round draft pick. He was going to get all this more midfield time. He's an inside ball. He's going to win so much of the ball. All that kind of thing. And then that was the one of the biggest failed experiments in recent memory. So um, I think at his price, Matt Kennedy is probably... we definitely is a, a JLT watch, and you have to kind of trust your gut. But I was expecting this year he was going to get uh, a lot more game time, which he did. I didn't expect to come out with a 65 this year. I, I, I thought, based on his potential, and his needful numbers are insane, that I, I thought we'd be looking at like an 80, 85 average. So... Um, depending what he can go to next year with a bit more um, development would be interesting. Um, Darcy Lang's an interesting one here, JB. Um, he's uh, an, another high pick. He was like pick 16 a couple of years ago. He's got speed to burn there, mate. He, uh, that's something that Carlton doesn't have in the midfield as someone that can actually use that leg speed. Um, they've got those, those in and under types, but they don't have the one with the leg speed that can actually uh, um, drive themselves forward there, JB.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for Super Coach Terms, um unless he bags five plus goals, he's not looking at a ton because 'cause he's got very very low disposal um disposal numbers. Um just pure averages there. But for Carlton, um for Carlton themselves, yeah, it's I think it's a very good pickup and a very underrated pickup, not really spoken about in the trade period. But they didn't give much up for him. And I know Geelong rated him fairly highly, so um, I think he'll put together some very good games this year.
1: Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Um, the hole that Bryce Gibbs leaves, do we see anything other than Paddy Cripps just uh, stepping up even further this year? Were you seeing anyone other than Matt Kennedy filling that hole?
0: No, um, I, no. I don't think they have anyone ready. I think Cripps will step up big time. Mark Murphy will emulate what he did at the start of this season, um, probably for the same amount of time. I expect another drop off from him. But um, maybe Charlie Kerno. maybe they throw him a little bit more through the midfield. Um, I mean, we know that he's scouted to be doing so Soon as He's got that big body, that, um, that type of player that everyone um, is looking to recruit into their midfields now, the P- Paddy Cripps, Nathan Fife type mold. Um, if we could see him go through the midfield, he could be a very, very hot 2018 prospect.
1: Yeah, he's almost like that. Um, yeah, you know, a cuder. Uh, you know, fifteen, twenty years later, uh, after the fact, that he's just that big body that you know they they um, draft him as um, something completely different than what he's going to end up being. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, just he, yeah, he he's he's going to be someone that, as you say, can play forward, can play through the mid, has the good um the the big body, and he's got really sticky fingers, like. Um, this guy could be anything so I wouldn't be surprised if, he do, if we do see a few rotations the only thing is that Carlton's forward line is just so terrible that he might be forced to you know develop his craft in the forward line for another year so it might be another year away um, we'll jump through uh, Pistol's favourite side Collingwood uh, he's been pretty quiet during trade period here JB because the only player they brought in was a, a, a kneeful backup um, defender Sam Murray from the Swans <laughs> um, which you know he's, he's had a fairly decent um, kneeful year but I, what they gave up for him was a little bit interesting, according to Pistol. And uh, but they so confident in him that they decided to delist Lockie Keefe and uh, Henry Shade and uh, basically leave themselves with no defensive uh, tools whatsoever.
0: Yeah, well, I don't even know what to say about Collingwood. <laughs> I don't think many players will be in consideration when when looking towards Collingwood. Even Pendlebury, after the season that he provided, a lot of loyal fans. Um, this year uh, will be on a lot of people's uh, probably not lists unless he, he really goes ham. But, yeah, it's just Collingwood are getting a little bit irrelevant in the in the supercoach terms unless you've got a name there. May, maybe Grundy. Grundy's the type of player that we could look at. But other than that, it's, it's very scarce at damn it bloody Collingwood.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Pistol doesn't have great hopes for Jordan Goey either. So uh, it, you're absolutely right. Considering they only have... Uh, one pick inside the top thirty seven or I think their the second picks like thirty eight or something like that yeah pick six and pick thirty eight it's it, even this year 's draft doesn 't look like they 'll be bringing in any like a uh, you know a couple um, super talented players this year, so um it will be interesting to see what progression they, they have going into 2018. Uh, we'll jump into the Dons here, mate. They've obviously traded their 2017 hand away so they can get in the likes of Devon Smith, Adam Saad, and Jake Stringer. Um, out of those three there, mate, who do you see as being the most important in for the Essendon 2018
0: side? Um, for the actual squad, I rank Devon Smith as the best player that they've brought in. Um, I think he's incredible, very underrated, very um, hushed off to the side there on that GWS squad. He'll shine bright at Essendon, and if they give him some more yeah. midfield time, I think he'll be a very, very good player this year. Um, Obviously, Jake Stringer addresses their big-bodied midfielder need if they're going to play him through there in that role. Um, and Adam Saad is just... um y- You've got a few players like him already. I'm interested to know what your halfback... Line looks like this year, considering you've got so many up and coming speedsters running off that half back back flank already.
1: Well, it's something that Alex Morgan, um, you know, when he asked to be traded to North Melbourne, he did an interview and said, um, I can't remember. I'm paraphrasing here, JB, but he was literally saying. Once Adam tra- Adam Sard got traded to and I knew I wouldn't be getting a chance, you know, on their halfback yep. line. Like this, I'm I'm a speedy halfbacker, getting 15 touches a game and putting pressure on my defensive uh, opposition. And as soon as you bring in another one, you have got Connor McKenna, Marty Gleeson, Adam Sard. Those two, there's there's only so many people that fit into those two halfback flanks. You know what I mean? So, yep. um, Adam Sard's foot skills is something that it get underrated all the time his foot his disposal by foot is absolutely elite his um, pressure and one-on-one is fantastic he is a huge in for Essendon and the reason that I rate him is the most important thing is yes we had the attacking side of the game but when you're so attacking it leaves you open for the turnover for the rebound and he is one of the um, the better medium-sized defenders um, and particularly with our attacking game style he's going to fit in so well he's going to protect us a little bit more, you would think. He's not going to solve our whole whole problem, which is being able to defend as a unit. But um, his speed and his tenacity is going to be fantastic, I think, on the defensive rebound for us, and It's going to stop them getting over the back a little bit more because he's going to be hopefully a bit more accountable. Um, I like what you said about Devin Smith as well because even though he's just another 180, below 180 centimetre midfielder that the Dons have, which we have a lot of, As a junior, he was a midfielder and he was elite. I think his final TAC Cup year he averaged 27 or 28 disposals. Um, And he he played as a midfielder. So we know that he has that um, potential. It's just that when you go to GWS and they pick up five top 10 mids in the first five years that they play, um, every single year, you know there's only so many um, positions in that midfield rotation. So I think with Essendon, he's going to get that extra time. I think he's going to be a relevant super coach opium because he's going to keep that forward status, but he is going to get that extra midfield time. I don't think... Um, what they've been saying that Jake String is going to be um, uh, an inside mid and Devin Smith's going to get more midfield time is going to be as much as what we think. I think we're more likely going to see the likes of Darcy Parrish, who is 90% a midfielder, 10% um, forward and defence. They experimented with him a lot this year uh, to try and expand his abilities because. He's been so much of a midfielder, he doesn't know how to play forward. He doesn't know how to play in the back pocket. doesn't know how to be accountable other than chase after the footy like Ozkick. So I think it's more likely that these kind of guys are going to be replacing the likes of Joe Watson. Um, and if you look at their outs um, from their best 22, you got James Kelly immediately um, pretty much replaced by Adam Sard. Joe Watson in the midfield, who, who takes his spot out of Devin Smith and Jake Stringer? They're going to fit on the half forward line somewhere. Someone else is going to have to go into the midfield. That's the issue that I'm finding interesting for Essen and JB.
0: Yeah, and it's a very interesting one. But I mean, we, they might have someone in mind already that's playing as a forward role or a or a backline role that might just pop in there. Um, so it's they'll be a very interesting team to see how they line up in their JLT. Games and just see who's playing in which positions, and it'll give us a good indication um, as to how they plan on going into the season. And hopefully, it's got someone like Devon Smith featuring very well in the midfield, and hopefully he's forward eligible. And we can all chuck him into our squads.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The only other thing I can see is Andy McGrath having to move into the midfield or a wing more because they, they just need to open up another spot in the back line. But that's yet to be seen. Um, we'll jump into Frio here, mate. They've uh, they've picked up Nathan Wilson and Brandon Matera and they've uh, lost pretty much every backup ruck they ever listed in the last 10 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, they've, um, they've, tried, they've lost a lot of tools. It's very sad to see Uber Gang go. Um, a lot of a lot of players that we've used for um, for a bit of swingman action have uh, have been delisted, but Nathan Wilson. Um, I I'm super excited by him. I was almost ready to lock him into my side as a GWS player, let alone having that whole halfback flank to himself at Fremantle. So I think he's a very very interesting prospect, and his upside is just. Enormous. He's someone that I will be looking at, and will probably—I'm going to call it right now—Cheeso. He'll be one of the first three or four players I select in my squad for 2018.
1: Someone clip that. Can someone listening clip that so we can just put it as JB's ringtone by like round five in 2018? You're, what, you're, he's, you're, you're he's locking in like Nathan like Wilson three, in the 120s. top twenties. The the top four players you could possibly pick he will be
0: essential by halfway through the season okay he's not going to be expensive like you well obviously taylor adams isn't a defensive option anymore but he's not going to be in that upper price range and he at that at that Fremantle team will have so much potential to just rack up the pill i mean we saw michael johnson averaging a ton in that freo back line if he can do it, bloody Bob from down the road can do it. Bloody <laughs> Nathan Wilson. He's got so much potential, Chiso. Um he, He'll be one of my first pick players, that's for sure.
1: And uh, looking at that back line, particularly across the half back, they've lost uh, Harley back more of a half forward. But Hayden Crozier spent a bit of time there. He went to the Western Bulldogs. Lockie Weller, the big one, was also playing a bit of wing, bit of half back. Nick Subin, who's you know played 130, 140 games over the last few years, he's gone... Uh, Ibbotson, you know, uh, a lot of these guys that they do have across that back line and half-back line have disappeared, um, including Pistol's uh, loophole option, Josh DeLuca Cardillo. He was uh, absolutely shattered with his performance during the year. He wouldn't play when he needed him and played when he wanted to use the captain loophole, and now he's delisted. I, I don't I don't, I don't, know what uh, Pistol's going to be thinking about that.
0: Yeah, it's probably deserved, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, I, I think you. I think you're absolutely right. Um, I'm not entirely sure what Brandon Materia brings to their forward line. I know when you you got um got the likes of Michael Walters and stuff like that. Like it's always nice to you know give him a, an offsider, But can you can you see the likes of you know um, a, a Ballantyne and a Brandon Matera putting no defensive pressure on in the forward line of a team that only gets two forward entries a quarter? It's a, it's going to be interesting to uh, interesting to see exactly what what takes place in uh, at Fremantle 2018, JB.
0: Yeah, definitely will be. I think Matero will play, um, Ballantynes a, a bit more of a pressure forward than Matero is. Um, but uh, the player that you mentioned earlier, um, Walters, he will be going almost exclusively through the midfield. You think he was a great spark plug for them this year? So, um, someone to someone, someone that might be a sneaky option if he's forward eligible and starting at a reasonable price, because he. He actually went bananas at the end of last year because I remember one of our admins speaking of him every single week in the <laughs> Supercoach Keeper League because he picked him out of free agency out of nowhere and after scoring 60 and 50 back-to-back weeks, he went on to score 120 almost every week after that. So,
1: <laughs> Yeah, he he, he he shall not be named. We, we don't want to give you any more light of the day from from uh, his little run towards the end of the year in the Admin, admin League there, JB. Hey, uh, we'll jump, jump straight into the, uh, the Cats here, mate. Uh, Tom Lonergan and a- Andrew Mackey retired, uh, so there's obviously that, um, a couple backline spots available. We've also lost uh, Stephen Motlop and Darcy Lang, so a bit of speed through the midfield. And they've only picked up Gary Abler, who will probably spend most of his time forward. So it uh, looks at that. We've got a couple half-forward spots and a couple uh, defensive spots that the, the, the Cats have to try and fill.
0: I know you're speaking numerically, but they've only picked up Gary Ablett. <laughs> they've only picked up the, the best player in the game almost. Um, it's a hell of a pickup. He's probably worth a few um, a few list spots, to be honest. Um, yeah, so him and Dangerfield rotating throughout the forward line in the midfield is going to be so, so interesting. Um, can we justify the 700K on Dangerfield? Do we all expect him to just go forward and kick five when he does anyway and, and score the 120s? And is Gary Ablett actually pickable now that we know he'll be playing a lot of forward time um, and maybe just nursing those sore shoulders? Um, so it's just... There's so many questions with Geelong. I love it. But the fact that they've lost players like Darcy Lang and Stephen Motlop, like you'd think, yeah, that, that'd be um, pushing Gary towards that, that forward role. Um, and it'd be good to see those players rotate through. It'd be good to see Gary back at Geelong. I'm a big Gary fan.
1: Yeah, no absolutely but the the thing for me is that even you know he hasn't had a fantastic year he's still the fourth highest average in Supercoach. he's still averaged 115 and you know he's had back-to-back bad years he still uh, he only played 14 games but he still managed to get a double ton in there as he does so yeah, yeah, he's a freak <laughs> he, he I, I think it's one of those ones where you, you might just wait three or four weeks and then just go bang and and bring him in um as one of your first upgrades um he will probably only play home games, fair to say, JB. He doesn't travel too well based on recent history.
0: <laughs> so towards the end of last year, we all thought he was, um, he was only playing the home games and taking the away games off. And I'm pretty sure he travelled to Perth the next week. So um, he nipped that in the bud fairly quickly. But yeah, it did look like that was happening. But I'm not sure about you, but... There's there's a couple of medical rooms in the AFL that I have absolutely zero faith in. So um, Gold Coast is one of them. They, they just seem to get such miraculous injuries on, on players that are out for enormous amounts of time. So I'll back Gary Ablett to... I'll back his professionalism. I'll back the uh, Geelong medical team and they'll get him on the park for 18-plus for, um, games this year, I reckon.
1: This is hope because you've got him in our super, our keeper league, don't you? No, no, th-
0: this is guarantees because if he doesn't play 18+, plus, I am not winning the flag. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh dear. We'll jump into uh, his old team then, the Gold Coast Suns. They've had a few uh, list changes. Um, interesting ones: uh, Harry Wig and Lockie Weller coming in, also Aaron Young, which uh, a bit more of a stopgap. Uh, on the of those going out that are interesting: uh, Adam Sard, Gary Ablett, and Brandon Matera from their essentially their best twenty-two or best twenty-five. Uh, Harry Wig here, JB. Do we see him finally getting some time? He's been on our watch list for about five years now. It feels like.
0: Yeah, I mean they've they've picked him up specifically with the intention to play him, and I don't think he would have gone there and left the Crows if he didn't have um, high hopes or high um, high word from the Gold Coast Suns that he would be playing. Um, and his form backs it up. I uh, he I mean he was in scintillating form in the sandful, but it couldn't break in. I couldn't imagine what he'd do to the kneeful. So um, I expect to see him in the midfield. Um, right in the guts there, I think, I mean, he's not going to take Gary Ablett's spot, but they've got a lot of players that rotate through there, so he'll get some time there. And at 123K or whatever his starting price will be, I think he'll be a very good option to sit around that 60 to 70 um, average and mainly just be a, a player that plays uh, most of the games and just slowly accumulate some price for us. I don't think he'll be crazy. Um, I don't think he'll average 80 plus, but um, he's someone to lock in just based on job security, I think
1: he's just one of those bargain basement guys that um, you just you need to fill your midfield benches with, especially. I mean, looking at his sandful touches, and uh, this is in the sandful, um, just the end of the season: twenty five touches, twenty seven touches with eight clearances and seven inside fifties, thirty four touches, ten inside fifties, twenty five touches, twenty seven touches, and eight tackles. Like he's got the ability to be a decent uh, midfielder. Uh, based on the fact that he's putting those numbers in the in the sample. As you say, he's gonna put up ridiculous numbers numbers in the needle if he's not playing. But he's one that we should definitely have our have high on our uh, our watch list, CJB. Um tentatively locked into our sides, I'd probably imagine.
0: Yeah, I mean if he's not one of your first pick players and you you're probably not doing the game right, but um I'd definitely pick him expecting sixty to seventy. I'm trying to think of someone to compare him to this year. Um like, Power Pepper put out some bigger scores, but you, you picked him because you knew he was going to play a lot of football for the year. So, um, And we could upgrade him whenever we wanted because we knew he wasn't getting dropped. He was there as a good emergency or as a good M9. Um, and just someone that you can just safely put in your squad, back him in for their 60-plus there. I mean, hopefully, fingers crossed he can go around the 70 or 80 mark. That'll make it a lot easier for us. Um, but yeah, I think he's I think he's going to be one of the highest percentage owned players early days. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and another one that Pistol's really really interested in is Lockie Weller. That's uh, he's probably really disappointed that I've uh, I've leaked his little secret there. That he loves a bit of Lockie Weller. Loves his uh, disposal by foot, and he's even talking him up, starting him in his his uh, initial squad next year. That's how our he runs on him.
0: I will clear this up. He did say he was going to start him in his dream team squad.
1: Yeah, I'm trying so, to dob I'm trying to dob the guy in and you just you're not helping.
0: Oh, um yeah, no, Pistols bad at Supercoach. Um <laughs> he he's, he said he was gonna start Lockie Weller and captain him for at least twelve rounds. Um so probably don't follow Pistols um Pistols where is that is that what you wanted from me, Cheezo? sorry. Pretty
1: pretty much. We've had the Cheese <laughs> chase down two years running now. It's just uh, it's just a thing. We need to make a meme out of Pistols Supercoach side, I think.
0: Yeah, no, well, he does that himself by picking a bunch of injury-prone players each year. He's going to love me saying that.
1: (laughs) I love love that we have like a two-month break from podcast. We just come straight to the pistol bashing. It's great.
0: Well, he's not here, so he can't defend himself, (laughs) which is the only reason we do it.
1: Um, obviously Gary Ablett didn't play in 2017 or he got one or two games apparently um, do, we see, <laughs> do we see anyone taking over that midfield role? Uh, do we see David Swallow spending a little bit more time in the midfield? Um, anyone else stepping up? Uh, I know Jared Lyons had a great 2017 bar a couple injury affected games um, He looked fantastic uh, Is there anyone else um, uh, that we're looking to kind of step up in 2018 through that midfield for the Gold Coast Suns?
0: Yeah, I think we can see everyone get a 5% boost to their stats um, from what Gary was getting himself. So um, I think everyone will sort of just shoulder a bit more Like Pierce Hanley, I assume, will have a bit of a better year than he did this year. Um, Players like Lions are just uh, amazing players for your keeper leagues if you've got them. I know you do, Cheezo. Um just players like that will they'll get a boost in their stats. I don't think anyone will really step in and, and go crazy though. They're probably a team that we're not gonna touch, um, especially after Tom Lynch burnt a lot of people last year as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh GWS probably the team that's lost the most talent after just making their their second uh, prelim final in a row. They've lost the likes of Stevie J, Devin Smith, Nathan Wilson, Matt Kennedy, and Shane Mumford who's retired. Um And they haven't picked up anyone uh, of relevance. They've probably got Lockie Keefe just as some backup. Um, That's really, really hurting GWS's depth there, JB.
0: Yeah, but unfortunately for the rest of the competition and fortunately for GWS, they've got about 38 first-round picks sitting in their uh, near full team. So um, I think they'll be all right. They'll probably maintain their spot um, that they did last year in that top four. I don't see them dropping off too much. I think Mumford is is in a way the biggest loss, but in a way, I think his departure may actually help the team. Rory Lobb is a brilliant tap ruckman, and if Lobb goes into that rock spot, which we expect him to, um, you can see the likes of Jeremy Cameron and um, Patton being freed up in that forward line. So um, it might actually help their, their starting 20. They were playing very tall just due to the fact that all their tools were just in great form. Um they pretty much picked themselves unfortunately. Um I just yeah, I can see them I can see them like maintaining how they were. Um a lot of players are obviously going to get a lot better, like Josh Kelly and Dylan Shield. Um a bit of a stat for you here, Cheezo, something to consider when picking your Ruckman. Um Rory Lobb hit out to advantage rate of 33.6% since 2015, which is the best among the top 70 hit out players in the AFL. He finished around 360K. He'll probably get a bit of a rise, as they do, to about 380. Is he the type of ruck stock that you would look to start in your squad, Chizo?
1: Look, I'm going to be totally honest. I think everyone has... They fixate on one thing and they don't look at the big picture. Like, that hit-out-to-advantage ratio, I know that um, we we only get points for hit-outs to advantage now. That looks great, but... Rory Lobs not the type of guy that goes up against the number one ruckman for extended periods of time. Like he is able to get a, a few hitouts against the you know the, the backup ruck that they if they're playing two ruckmen, but I don't see him being a number one ruck for a hundred minutes, hundred and ten minutes of game time just racking up hitouts to advantage. I think he's not overly great around the ground either. Um, I think he's going to be a really interesting option. I think his price is going to really determine for me whether I'm going to be going after him or not. Uh, but it's it's definitely one to keep an eye out on, JB.
0: Yeah, I think you've nailed it there. Uh, people get caught up in like certain statistics and ignore the fact that he may not be great at getting disposals around the ground or, or tackling or um, a number of things that makes a Ruckman average their 100 pluses. So... Um, definitely one to watch but like you said um, not someone to get absolutely fixated on just because they've made a few taps to advantage um, I do however think um, he will be playing as majority as their number one ruck and um, your skepticism is justified but skepticize with caution because I think he's one that could um, could go bananas at the beginning of the season and those who pick him um, a la uh, Jared Witts this year could get a bit of a boost that those that started without him won't
1: Yeah, do you think, do you see Rory Log averaging more than what Jared Witts did this year? So, you know, you've got a a Jared Witts averaging 95 from being priced 210 or 215k or whatever he was at the start. That's a pretty significant difference to someone that might average 90, 95 being priced at 380k.
0: Yeah, no, no, I definitely agree. Um, I think he has potential to average 90 plus. I think he's more likely to average 85 uh, to 90-ish range. Um, it's a very specific range, maybe eighty to ninety range. Um, yeah, I I don't think he'll go crazy. I think those who pick him and get in on him at the right time, if he does go crazy, will get a very big advantage. Um, the same can be said about a lot of people. I think it's just more magnified by the fact that our we really don't know what we're doing with our ruckman next year.
1: Yeah, I, I think the um uh, another interesting part for me. Um, just moving on from Rory Lobb now I'm looking at you know you've got Steve Johnson and Devin Smith leaving the GWS side that's uh, leaving a big hole in their, their forward line uh, particularly with Rory Lobb moving into the, the, the midfield now you, um, as, a, as a ruckman you don't have the three talls and you're also missing one of the smalls in there so there's a couple um, spots in the GWS forward line that we could be looking for and you know you've got the likes of Tim Taranto. he's going to build his um, he's going to build his tank again this year um, whoever GWS pick GWS pick at number 11 we could actually see Getting a lot of um, a, a lot of mid, uh, sorry, a lot of game time early in the season, um, just like Tim Taranto did this year, uh, because of those spots being available and pick a ten, uh, pick eleven. So you're looking at like a, um, we'll cover this more in the the draft podcast, JB. But uh, like a, a Jack Higgins or a Darcy Fogarty uh, towards uh, ten to fifteen range, we could see these guys getting a lot of game time at GWs that will getting uh, will be getting a lot of forward entries. Sorry, did you say Higgins? yes
0: oh Higgins All right. we'll, <laughs> I'll be interested if that's the case um, yeah but I think it, it also highlights Toby Green and the, the potential to pick him if he's uh, hopefully stopped being a, um, a, a little little kid
1: <laughs> yeah they're absolutely right um the next uh next one' will be pretty easy to jump through here j b we've got hawthorne uh losing uh, Jarman, uh sorry gaining Jarman m p uh losing the big uh, big names of josh Gibson and luke hodge from their back line which uh probably i can only really see helping uh a ryan Burton who surged towards the end of the year
0: yeah um largely irrelevant hawthorne for me i think we picked on mitchell and and get on with it Burton um, will probably let go for another year or two uh, to really let him build his stocks and then when he hits that 80 to 90 plus average and we can see him vaulting to the 100 pluses um, as a still a defensive player then we'll really really start looking at him for our teams and he's got a bit of growing uh, still to do in that Hawthorne team and I think they'll get a little worse this year um, they've lost a couple of decent players and I mean they've gained Jarman Impey but I don't see him adding many wins to their, their tally so um, like I said, largely irrelevant. I think Tom Mitchell is um, possibly going to be one of the first picked in most people's teams.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, he, it's it's strange to think that that guy can get even better. Cheeso. He, yes. He's
0: got Collingwood in round one. Ooh. Big, Double tonne incoming.
1: Yeah, it, it, it may be something for the starting squad that we'll touch a little bit later into the uh, 2018 <laughs> preseason. Yeah. Um, Jarman uh, MP. not really a super coach player for us. He's got good speed off halfback that'll help Hawthorne's rebound, but he's not really one that we're looking at super coach wise So If he was
0: 30K, uh, I'd consider him.
1: <laughs> not even 130K? No. No, okay. Uh, we'll jump into uh, Melbourne. We've got uh, a couple interesting ins here. Uh, the first being Jake Lever. Second being Harley Balak, who came back from Frio. Um, only really losing Jack Watts from their best 22. Um and it's, uh, it's sad to see Ben Ken go after being one of the uh, the rookies that we fell in love with a, a few seasons ago, JB.
0: Yeah, and it's almost sad to see Haredi Lumumba go because he was one that really um, people fell in love with as well a couple of seasons ago when they picked him in their defence. Um, ben <laughs> Ben Kennedy, yeah, great option. Um, he, he did a lot of people justice. And he, he was one of the most traded out players, I remember, in, in round three or four because he shrunk together like 350s. And then he went bananas and got like hundred and twenty, and then eighty, and he just went crazy for, for a few weeks there. But that was a good roller coaster to ride, I think.
1: Well, what did you think of uh, old Jack Watts on the the the? I think it was the Instagram, um, sending out a video that just throwing shade at, at Melbourne for trying to trade him out.
0: I actually didn't see it, but because he's a Port player, I'm
1: going to say it's all right. (laughs) I'll I'll put it in some for you. He was putting out a video and he just basically said, well, it looks like Melbourne don't want good kicks into the inside 50, so I'm going to be playing somewhere else next year.
0: (laughs) And they got rid of Lumumba. They definitely don't want kicks into their 50.
1: (laughs) I'm going to be totally honest. I totally forgot he was on their list altogether. (laughs) Um, Jake Jake Lever is interesting because um, those that... Absolutely loved Michael Hibbard in 2017. They do play kind of a, a third similar role. I think Hibbard plays more of a, a kind of a rebounding defender, but he did also spend some time playing as that third tool. Jake Lever with the uh, with both the McDonald boys pretty much comes in and plays the same role he did at Adelaide, where he doesn't have to be totally accountable and he can just drift from pack to pack, just mopping up.
0: Yeah, and I think it translates to about 70 to 80 super coach average. I don't think he's largely relevant, but. Very good get by Melbourne. I think they've got a very, very promising young player. And I think that's stating the obvious. But, um, yeah,
1: no, I think they've done very well. It's interesting for me that, you know, Rance is someone that we consider as being on the fringe of... Uh, well, he's pretty much always in the top 10 super coach defensive options. And considering that we are going to lose the likes of Taylor Adams and a few of these guys this year, maybe even to Jake Lloyd um, playing a bit more wing time, um, probably will keep his defensive status. But... It might be interesting to see that uh, Jake Lever actually, at the same point of his career, is better than what Alex Rans was in pretty much all aspects except for um, defensive one-on-ones, I think it was, so a one-on-one um, win percentage. So um, we could see him develop quite quickly into being a player that has some sort of relevance. Um, Harley Ballack is one that we were were really big on this year, JB, as being a forward option at about the 200K. Um Really disappointing that a lot of us picked him up this year and then he decided to take, um, take a little bit of leave. At Melbourne, I think he's going to be vying with too many others to try and take a, a, a place in the best 22 across that half-forward line. I think he might be try, uh, applying his trade in the VFL for a little while.
0: Yeah, no, I, t- I definitely agree. Uh, he, could, he could string together a few games with good form, but I don't think he'll be largely relevant. I'd be surprised if he, if he hit double figures in the game tally this year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll jump into North Melbourne. They've had more delistings than uh, um, genuine pickups. Um, mate, we've got uh, only Alex Morgan is uh, like a really um, likely player to get some game time in 2018, coming across from the Bombers, looking as a, a fast defensive uh, uh, rebounding player. Um, and they've lost uh, pretty much an identical player in Alan Mullet, and uh, they've uh, delisted uh, Sam Gidson, or they ended up sending him to Adelaide Crows anyway. Um they are in a rebuild phase. They went to a trade period with pick four. They, they Gold Coast came to them and said, "Look, can we do something with pick four and pick two? So we're not giving up pick two for Lockie Weller." And they they couldn't get anything done.
0: Um, sad times to be a North fan. <laughs> I don't. I don't think I. They're the my genuine tip for the wooden spoon this year. And like you said, they got rid of a few. Alex Morgan uh, is a chance to get into that squad. Um, even Aaron Mullet was a strange to listening. He was one of their better players, I thought, um, this year. So and then they had Aaron Andrew Swallow retire, obviously just now. Um it's j it's just a very strange, strange place North Melbourne are in. Um, I think they're trying to to redo their list, but they re signed Jared Waite and Scott Thompson and it's just interesting um, to me. It's all very interesting, but um, hopefully we can look to them. I mean, we haven't been able to look to them to pick any rookies for the last eight years, so hopefully we can start looking to them for that again. And I think the only relevant player is obviously Sean Higgins.
1: Yeah, I th- I think the uh, the no, I'm just going to brush over that JB. Uh, I think Not the the only benefit <laughs> benefit is that um, they're going to pick someone really really good with pick four. They're going to get someone really good, maybe uh, an Adam Chera there, um, that uh, a, a Brayshaw even that could get come straight into their side is going to be a really really good option for 2018. Even though it'll be uh, a slightly higher price, uh, we'll jump straight into your side. I know you want to talk a lot about them. Because they're, you know, hashtag best in trade period or whatever that crap you're going on about. Uh, Port Adelaide, mate, they've only lost uh, basically Impey and uh, Brendan Archie from potentially best 22 players. Um, and they've picked up a whole bunch. Talk us through it.
0: So, yeah, we, we've lost the uh, we've lost quite a bit of depth. But um, as you can see with the additions of Trent McKenzie and Jack Trangrove have gained a bit of depth as well. Um, that's what I think those two players are. I think they're very depth players. A lot of people could put Trent McKenzie in their best 22, but I just can't see it happening. Um, Broadbent couldn't fight into the best 22, neither could Homsch at the end of last season. So um, I definitely don't see McKenzie getting in over either of those two who I definitely put in my best 22 now. Um, Tom Rockcliffe, Steve Motlop, Jack Watts, they will, offer, um, they will offer something to Port. I don't think Motlop and Watts, um, well, I know Motlop or Watts will, will not be relevant in supercoach um, terms. Motlop probably, um, he'll probably go on a, a little run where he'll, he'll have some good scores, but as we know with Motlop, he drifts in and out as he pleases. Um, hopefully, he can gain some more consistency and pop up as a forward option towards the end of the season. Um, but that leaves Tom Rockcliffe, who I think will who have a lot of freedom but he'll also go forward a lot. Um uh, he can he'll rotate with Robbie Gray um in that forward midfield role. So I can't I can't really can't really narrow down whether he'll be better off or slightly worse off, but all I know is that if he's fit, he's definitely one to look out for and um on a team that'll actually be getting some Ws. Um sorry Brisbane fans. Um he might be a scary option if you can up that points per game by by five per win. Um, so it's um, he'll be an interesting one, but I don't think you can start with any of their players anyway because they have Gold Coast
1: in uh, round eight and then they buy in round nine. So I just want to nail it down. You said that um, Tom Rockliffe could be one of those players that improves his output or decreases in output. So you're basically just not giving us any indication whatsoever what you think is going to happen.
0: Yeah, because I think I, I speak for everyone when I say I, I don't know. I'm not sure. We haven't seen Tom Rockliffe in an atmosphere where he's got better players around him um, or at least players on par with him around him um, to to like as in on the ground, not just in the midfield. Um, and we haven't seen him in a squad that, that wins and we haven't seen him in a sixty forty forward midfield role. So... Um, it's it's very confusing, but luckily we won't be tempted to pick any of them due to that early buy, and we'll be able to really assess um their options. I think he's the best port midfield option at this stage, if that helps. Um, but I think it it'll be good to assess um how everyone's tracking after that buy when we're looking to get someone in to play all of our buy rounds in twelve, thirteen, and fourteen.
1: Yeah, I I I'm gonna to be totally honest. I think that coming over to port in a better side in a better midfield he's got less weight on his shoulders Um, they play a friendlier game where um, their mids are able to you know make an impact on the contest I think it's only going to help him I, I don't see I don't see a possibility whatsoever that his his scoring potential goes down by going to a better side a prep that's you know, that believes that 2018, they're in the premiership window. I, I just don't see that happening, but you're right. The biggest thing that puts me off is that buy round. Like it's just in a, it's just in no man's land. Um, it'd be interesting to, you know, we'll, we'll have a bit more of a chat as we do every year about how we all attack the buys and whether that early buy actually makes a difference to our starting squads. Um, because we all had slightly different strategies this year. So, um, the, it's interesting coming, uh, coming to that. Um, Jarman Impey, obviously being that rebounding kind of defender, wing position for Port Port Adelaide, who do you think takes his spot or who do you think is going to get um, a little bit more exposure uh, now that 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 space has become available?
0: Someone like Bonner who played late last year. Um, Unfortunately, he did play late last year um, and jacked his price up, but someone like him will probably slot into that role. Um, Pidard didn't play a lot last year and like I said, Broadbent was struggling to get into the side, so um, we've got a lot of players. I don't see Mackenzie fitting into that that position, so I think he'll be one to to be the first in line when injuries occur, but not someone to start there. And unfortunately for Supercoach fans, um, Port won't be breeding any rookies into that spot. I don't think.
1: Yeah, absolutely right. Particularly when they're going into um, Premiership contention, they have no, you know, top. Forty draft picks that are going to force their way into their best twenty-two. Yeah, say, uh, say a Tim Taranto with GWS last year. So totally on that one. Um, next one's going to be quick to jump through is Richmond. They uh, haven't brought in anyone, and uh, they've only uh, had delistings and uh, retirees so far. One that I found interesting, JB, was Ben Lennon. Like he, he's picked uh, a high pick a few years ago. He's been playing fairly well in the VFL, and they He must have no currency; they just decided that we're not even going to try and move him on, and just get out of here.
0: yeah, a bit odd, but when that sort of thing happens the the team's generally onto something, so there must be something wrong with him um <laughs> and he hasn't been picked up since, so um unfortunately for Ben Lennon, it's time to go. you're in a Premiership team, probably would have got another run at
1: the uh the lower squads, but
0: um such is the business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, jumper to St Kilda, they have a great draft hand this year with picks seven and eight. Uh, they've uh, brought in Logan Austin from Port Adelaide, which you were, you know, quite confident he was. A, he's a decent player, so that's not a bad, n- bad get for St Kilda. Uh, but they have lost some uh, some big names: uh, Lee Montagna, Nick Rewell, Sean Dempster, amongst them. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of these young St Kilda guys stand up in 2018, JB.
0: Yeah, I don't think their natural progression will get them in a position where they'll improve this year. Um, I think they'll either maintain or maybe even fall back a bit. Logan Austin's a good get considering he was essentially free. Um, I liked him. I liked him when he played. Um, He fit into that Tom Jonas role, so he's a a taller lockdown defender. So I think he'll be decent. They they sort of need that type of player with Nathan Brown being their best Um, and, well, Jake Carlisle, wherever he decides to swing. Um, but with the losses of Montagna and Nick Rewall, I can't see them getting any better Um, so I, I just, they're sort of they're a bit in no man's land, I mean, it would be interesting to see who that drafts, I think Jack Billings is another one where he'll just be really interesting to see how he starts the year Um, potentially one of the players that we pick in our forward lines if he's eligible
1: Yeah, no, Billings is one that I'm really really hot on, uh, I also think that um, Gresham's going to have some natural progression, Um, I think Dunstan had a really good 2017, but I'm not seeing that big growth that's suddenly going to make him go from averaging 78, 80 to start averaging 100 and being that um, uh, you know, that top teens pick that we'd been thinking of. Uh, but I definitely see that there's some progression there that they're going to have. I'm totally with you. I think the loss of Lee Montagna and Nick Rewalt even just for their on-field leadership, is going to be... A, a negative that you can't fill those holes and I think they're either going to stagnate or even fall back a little bit I think that's why they they wanted pick 7 and 8 in you know in this draft for example just to kind of reload on another couple high draft picks because they know, they're, you know they've you made that first jump where they've rebuilt a couple of their, um, their positions and they need to do that second jump they need to have that second kind of um, two first round draft picks to, to kind of get a little bit more class and talent there to make them jump again Um but uh, it will be interesting for sure. We'll jump into Sydney Swans. Um, no one has turned up to the Sydney Swans, which is interesting. Usually they bring in a big name. Uh, but looking at their back line, for example, you're losing um, you know, their depth defenders, uh, looking like a Sam Murray, uh, Jeremy Laidler, Michael Talia. These kind of guys um, just leaves them a little bit thin towards the back line. Uh, if they cop an injury to like a, a Grundy or something like that, um, yeah, you could be uh, could be struggling to find a, a decent um, uh, defender for Sydney Swans.
0: Yeah, and Lear Alir was struggling to get into that squad, so they still have a little bit of depth, but they could be the most super coach irrelevant team in the fantasy uh, in the trade period. Sorry, that just passed.
1: Yeah, it's it's really interesting what happened to to Sydney this year. Like, even they they started the year with six losses, and we thought, look at all these Sydney players, they're going absolutely terrible. We we're so horrible for having them in our team, and then they went on like 17 straight wins or whatever it was, and they were still terrible. Yeah, like.
0: they were very strange, very strange indeed. And we want to pick them because they're they're one of my picks for top two next year. But I honestly don't know who to pick. I don't know who the best midfielder is. I don't know if Buddy's worth picking. Lloyd was very inconsistent last year. I genuinely do not know who to pick from that side.
1: Like the only thing that I'm really thinking this year. But just as like a, a quick brainstorm, we think that Heaney is has to progress into a midfielder. Like I, I think we saw enough last year that he makes so much of an impact around the contest that this year must be the year that they, they 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 really missed Tom Mitchell last year. I think they really need another class midfielder. I think they their big three are really good. You've got your Parker, Hannebrees and, and Kennedy, but you know, everyone after that just didn't bring enough. There was too much of a divide between their best and worst midfield rotations. So, I see him, and also see Callum Mills. He's had that uh, those two years across the back line. I think it's time um, that he's built his tank a little bit. That he does get that time uh, through the midfield and starts uh, increasing his midfield minutes. The only thing is, I just don't see. Like I know Callum Mills was a great um underage player and he had a, a high bid in that draft year, but he just doesn't seem to have that, you know, that toughness, that mongrel about him to come and get inside and get that inside ball. You know what I mean, JB?
0: Yeah, I do know what you mean. He, he feels like the type of player that'd um that'd be sitting on a half back flank for for a long while, but they do think he'll go into that midfield. And in regards to Heaney um, I was wrong when I said we don't know who to pick from that team. I think he's um, he's one to very, look very, very hard at and would be would have been one of the first picked in most people's teams if it wasn't for the glandular Fever this year. So um, I stand corrected.
1: <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing is uh, I think I need to definitely see a role change. If he's playing the same role this year, I don't see any growth in his scoring potential. I think he has to have a definitive this is... You know, uh, a couple of years ago when um, Dimmer said, this is the year that you meet Dusty Martin, the midfielder. It was two or three seasons ago. I think we need something like that where we know, okay, this is the year that Heaney's going to come out and he's going to be a midfielder because as that half-forward spending time in the midfield, he's scoring well you know, every second week. But the standard deviation between scores are terrible when he spends more time in forward the next week afterwards. So um, I, th- I think I need to see a definite role change before I'm just going to go jump. Straight on him. But the same applies for Callum Mills as well. Um, particularly Callum Mills as a defender. If we do see him get that midfield role change, he's going to be absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, uh, no,
1: 100%. Okay, uh, uh, West Coast Eagles. Sam Mitchell and Matt Prittis retired. They're the two big ones we're looking at. They have picked up Brendan Archie, uh, who says that they, they offered him uh, some uh, spots in a midfield rotation over in there. Um, JB, what do you think of Brendan Archie going over to the Eagles?
0: Yeah, I haven't been much sadder, uh, for a lack of better words, um, to see a player leave my club. So, Brandon Archie, I, I have an incredible, um, I, I had such high hopes for. Um, he just seemed to show such flashes of brilliance every time he played. But unfortunately, he was behind Chad, Ollie, Robbie, um, Boke, Ebert like, just a lot of players that just kept so durable and kept on playing well. Um And he just couldn't break in. So unfortunately for Brendan, he played the last year in the Sandfall. Only played a few games for us uh, throughout the year. But fortunately for Brendan, and I'm glad to see him get this new opportunity because I think he'll be very, very good in that West Coast midfield. And if he gets a hefty um, price drop, he can be the type of player that, I mean, we all considered Omira and um, Swallow the uh, last year, and now we're around that 300K mark. If Archie starts a uh, high mid 200K-ish, I think he's someone that everyone sort of has to look at because he'll be getting that midfield time um, and I, he's just got such potential, in my opinion. So I hope he turns out well there. Um, and I just... Yeah, no, I think he's um, I think he's the type of player that you definitely look at in in Keeper League and hopefully he comes to us in the JLT and puts his hand up for our Supercoach team.
1: Yeah, definitely one you have to put on your watch list and keep a look at. Obviously, Sam Mitchell and Matt Prittis, uh two Brownlow medalists, you, you know, you, you can't cover them overnight. And the West Coast Eagles definitely don't have a deep midfield. It's fair to say. I think that's kind of why everyone kind of uh, d- uh, that commented on the fact that they were uh, bringing in a lot of second round draft picks this year compared to next year when it's supposed to be the Super Draft. I think <laughs> it's be- I think it's because they realise. How far they could potentially fall this year? Like, uh, they've got some standout players. You have got Jeremy McGovern and 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 players like this, but they could potentially have a big drop when you lose these. Um, you lose in the midfield battle every single week because you just don't have the depth. Um, I think that's why they traded to get into that second round this year because I think they need to start the rebuild now. They can't just, um, you know, every year every year people say that it's you know the next super draft and this player is going to be the next Dustin Martin and that kind of thing so in 2019 we're going to hear the exact same thing we're hearing now so i think it's not a bad strategy getting into the start of the second round because there are a stack of waffle players that uh you know mature age you're looking at the tim uh, tim kelly that could even go in the, the twenty to thirty range. Um, and they could pick up with any one of their their four picks between twenty one and thirty seven. So um, that with, they're picking up some really uh, you know the best midfielders available in the waffle and tim kelly's only 30 uh, 23 for example so you know he, he's not exactly a, a mature mature player so um i can understand what they're doing like that so i'd uh, in reference to supercoach i'd be really looking at their second round draft picks and and seeing what kind of um, direction they go with because we could see a lot of mature ages coming straight in from the waffle and, and be, becoming part of their best 22 best 25 players on a weekly basis
0: yeah, they'll definitely be the type of squad we look at to hopefully um, get a few rookies out of. Um, though them and North Melbourne, I think, will probably be two of our biggest stocks for, um, for rookie selections this year that'll get good game time. Um, unfortunately for West Coast fans, I too can see them dropping out of that top eight. But very fortunately, they still have a very good core and I'm not sure how long they'll be down for. So teams better take advantage because they could bounce back very hard.
1: <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing. West Coast Eagles have obviously, uh, Petrie's retired and Jonathan Giles have retired. That's two of their backup ruckman they have. Obviously, there's a lot of weight coming back on Nick Nat, but um, Nick Nat could be, they, they could be having that confidence this year that he's going to, to, to come straight back in and be uh, uh, one of those players that they can rely on.
0: Yeah, he's a big boost. Um, I'm not sure how much he'll bring to them uh, in terms of wins, adding wins to the board. But um, he's obviously a big boost, and someone that will obviously be talking about a lot uh, around the preseason and the JLT series as a potential pick for our teams.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll jump into the final team uh, for our first preseason podcast for the uh, 2018 season. Western Bulldogs. They obviously had a really busy trade period. Two picks in the top 16 after everything that went down. In comes Jackson Trengrove from Port Adelaide, Hayden Crozier from Frio, and Josh Shackey from Brisbane. And obviously those that have uh, that are out is Jake Stringer going to Essendon. Um, Stuart Cramery and Travis Cloak retiring, which are three kind of bigger-bodied um, forward line uh, players have gone, uh, along with some backmen in Matty Boyd and Rob Murphy, uh, I think we could see a couple of these younger Western Bulldogs guys uh, stepping up this year and getting a little bit, um, uh, a little bit more time, a little bit more responsibility in that side as they they kind of cover a few gaps there. JB, um, we did see uh, the likes of Bailey Dale come through this year. He's a tall, silky midfielder, a half forward that you know showed a few um, tricks that he has in his bag this year. There could be uh, uh, could be a few like him that pop up in 2018. I'm interested to see.
0: Yeah, and it's crazy that 2015, the more Bulldogs players you had, the better. 2018, we might try and force one in there. I'm not even sure Dowhouse House will retain his forward status, and I'm, I can guarantee McRae won't. So and it'd be very interesting to who we look to. Um, they don't really have any, any budding superstars. Um, I assume that's who they're looking at with their pick nine. So they'll digress quite a bit this year as well, I think. And... Um, and it's just it's just it was it's not strange to see. They've obviously had quite a few retirees. Um Stuart Camry delisted is a, a very interesting one. I think you've got another ghost somewhere else. Um but that that might just be one of those irrelevant teams, um, unfortunately, that we just don't really look towards for our our picks in the twenty eighteen season.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I think Western Bulldogs is one of those one one of the teams that probably have the most Relevant DPP changes coming in the two thousand eighteen season. Yeah. I'm, with, I'm with you in thinking that um, McRae won't keep his forward status. So I think there's an outside chance he will because he lines up on the half forward line and then pushes into the midfield. Um, uh, once the you know central bounce has been taken, but then once the ball's once once it's in play, a general stoppage is just everywhere the ball goes. So I think that the criteria. Um, of where they line up prior to the central bounce and all that kind of stuff that counts, that um, they try and convolute as much as possible. I think that that is the only factor that's going to stop him from getting. I think the likes um, I'm interested in is um, Lockie Hunter. He not a great disposal of the ball, but he does accumulate it a lot. I think that we might see that he gets a little bit more midfield responsibility again, but the benefit being that he's probably going to pick up defender status Um, This year which could make him relevant So um, there's a couple DPP changes Obviously we're looking at um, Dalhouse That's um, everyone's like crossing their fingers But I think he keeps it for the fact That the last like seven rounds of the year Once the Western Bulldogs just fell in a heap And Dalhouse's scores just fell apart He played primarily as a forward So I I think we're pretty safe with with Dale House keeping his DPP JB, but um, there's definitely going to be some spots available for the Western Bulldogs for someone to to stand up. So uh, it's going to be interesting. But I'm I'm totally with you. Like it, it, it's it's almost like they're the Sydney Swans. There's no one jumping out saying you have to pick me.
0: Yeah, exactly. And if Dale House manages to keep his forward status, I'm not sure he's even that that easy to pick anyway, considering how he ended the last season. So. Um, he just—he was very inconsistent, only came home with, I mean, I think he had the lowest amount of tons in the last few years since he really broke out onto the scene. Um, and obviously Western Bulldogs have lost superstar Declan Hamilton as well, so it's going to be hard for them to really bounce back after
1: that. Yeah, we're going to have to get Deco on the podcast at some point just to get the goss on the Western Bulldogs. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'll try and guilt trip him. I'm not sure how much he'd provide. He's a pretty dry character. <laughs>
1: Uh, all i was hearing that is he he was eating maccas every night and he couldn't put on weight the poor kid
0: <laughs> yeah, he's a skinny fella um <laughs> I, i'll still back myself in an arm wrestle against him so <laughs>
1: he's been hitting the gym
0: for a few years hasn't done a whole lot for him
1: <laughs> mate once you progressed to progress to two plates on the deadlifts that's when stuff gets real mate
0: uh, you can barely manage to push up the poor kid <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, dear. That, that pretty much wraps up uh, our recap from all the trades and just anything that's relevant. I like the fact that it's not too serious, JB. We just get to pick out a few things that spark our interest and, you know, just go wherever the conversation takes us. That's what I love about our podcast, JB. And I love being able to chat to you, mate. It's uh, it, it's good getting back the old gang while Pistol's still focused on his study.
0: Yeah, no, he's um, his priorities are all wrong at the moment. And you're right. He. <laughs> The informal chats are very good. It's good to have a bit of a laugh. Um, Obviously, nothing too serious yet because we don't know a lot of the prices, a lot of the position changes. It's good to just have a look at who's moved and um, what might potentially be the option just to spark everyone's interest, just to get everyone thinking about it. Um, It's never too early to start planning your team. So I've already got a good five or six players that I've locked into my squad on my piece of paper here. Um, and I'd just like to talk to whoever is still listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, it's a bit of a longer podcast this time around. Um, I I don't think we're trying anything new intentionally, Cheezo. But it's good to chat and not have a agenda. Have a a podcast that we try and finish, um, in any certain time. I know some people like it shorter, some people like it longer while they listen at work. But for those still listening, um, I wanted to talk briefly about a potential Patreon page. Um, some people might know what it is. I know a bunch of other podcasts run it, but it's pretty much just a um a way to support the page. Um, definitely noteworthy. That would never ever charge uh, any money to listen to the podcast. It'll always be free uh, to listen to via SoundCloud and our Facebook and website. Um, but it's sort of just a way to. I see it as a way to engage in the community whilst helping us keep the podcast going um, and just the page in general. So um, right now, it's, it's a very basic idea. Um, we're going to have very small increments. I'm talking like $3 a month type increments um, to run a a, a a system where everyone can sort of chit-chat amongst themselves in a closed uh, sort of format of amongst those that I've donated um, and just have all us admins, Chizo will be in there, Pistol will be in there myself. Um, willing to help out with your teams at any point when you ask, um, team reviews, etc. So we're going to commit a lot of time to it and it'll help us keep the podcast going. Um, and I think I, I'm sort of just mentioning all this now um, because I'd like to open it up to your ideas, the community. So obviously we rely on you guys a lot for... Um, with every decision we make, pretty much, Jizo. We even posted as to whether we should do a podcast. Um, this early, so um, obviously, all your opinions mean a lot to us. So, um, if you could just leave a comment on our Facebook, just say what you'd like from it. Um, an idea is making a group, and whoever scores the highest for the month or the round gets a prize, like a a free mug or a free T shirt or something with Doctor Supercoach on it. So. Um, get the ball rolling. I'll I'll try and spark some interest in the comment section. We don't usually get many comments on our podcast posts, but um, anything you can contribute would be great. Um, maybe just a yes or no whether you'd actually be interested in doing something like that. Um, would be excellent, Chizo, and all um all criticism and all all facets of um getting back to us are very welcomed and very very thank you. I've run out of words. I've <laughs> been talking too long. It's eleven PM in Adelaide, mate. I'm struggling.
1: Look, it's well known that we appreciate uh, constructive criticism as well as non-constructive criticism. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So just any any bit of feedback that the community wants to give, very happy to receive it. And um, I think it'll make it'll make us more of a community rather than a bunch of a bunch of people just commenting. I mean, we've got our regulars, which are all awesome, uh, talking about you, Fozzy. Um, <laughs> but would really like to create a community where we can we can speak personally from admin to, to person about your team um, and if you don't like Chezo and you think he's commenting on all your posts then you can specifically request pistol or myself. Um, I think a lot of people will be requesting to not talk to pistol um, not not very liked amongst the community from what I've gathered um, but I think it's a great idea and it it'll, it'll help us out a lot so um, we're not looking to rort, use take money for nothing we do look to provide a service still. Um, And just any bit of feedback on the matter would be great. And Cheezo, it's been great talking to you as always, mate.
1: Great talking to you, mate. Uh, Obviously, the next podcast we'll probably put up in a couple of weeks will be a preview to the 2017 AFL Draft, uh, along with a a first round, uh, probably we might even do a top 25, top 30 uh, Phantom draft, which is um, we've seen a couple come out this week that completely dissimilar to what we have so far. So we're pleased about that that uh, <laughs> that, that our ideas are, are slightly different to everyone else. JB,
0: yeah, no, love to be unique. So it'll spark interest. It'll spark a lot of chit chat. I know people follow the draft very closely, like yourself, Cheezo. So you're a bit of a um, bit of an expert on the matter. So I'm looking forward to seeing your Phantom draft. I reckon you'll get a lot of them spot on.
1: I've been working on the uh, the Phantom Draft for a little while now, um, not quite ready to uh, release it till we get close to, um, you know, uh, we, we saw with Tim Taranto, he came out of nowhere in the last seven days, so uh, always leave it up to the last week before you start releasing any of that kind of stuff, because the news changes from day to day, uh, but keen to get into it JB, can't wait.
0: Yep, love your work mate, and we'll talk soon.
1: Alright mate, we'll catch you later community.